May my God bless you all, brothers and sisters, and newcomers, and people who still not have had the opportunity to go to the church. May God bless you, and may God today manifest in our lives and in our hearts that God may manifest in every heart, in every life, that he hears every need, every petition, every desire of the heart. So in the end, in our final prayer, we will come before the Lord with our petitions, with our laments, sorrow, sadness, and if someone has had a lot of joy and gladness and God has worked miracles, well, we will also be presenting to him the joy of our heart for the simple fact that he is there nearby and he blesses us. So God is love and he blesses. And this is why he wants men and women to seek him wholeheartedly, to be obedient, submissive and subjected to his will to honor his name that is what the lord seeks and so in this way we will have a god of love because we do not want a god that is consuming fire but a god of love and we will be the ones in charge of turning him into a god of love or a god that is angered and that consumes or punishes but we want to be intelligent and be good people be good men and women and doers of what is right and today this is our meeting with our lord to reflect on his word but before then we're going to sing to the lord and you can have a seat and get comfortable in your place and we will be singing a hymn to the lord hymn number 47 titled I need thee every hour and again it's I need thee every hour now it's very curious I have children that write to me and they ask for petitions they say we want to hear you sing this hymn because I know it by heart well so we all want to sing to the Lord honor him so we're going to sing hymn 47 I need thee every hour I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me thine indeed, thou blessed son. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, teach me thy will, and thy rich promises in me fulfill. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, 
Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour, stay Thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when Thou art nigh. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. Glory to our God, and we thank the Lord for the opportunity God gives us to be here to honor Him, to glorify Him, to read the Bible, to reflect on His Word, and to search the scriptures as he himself taught. And this is beautiful, that we open the Bible, we read, and do not worry whether you understand or don't. What's important is that you do it with your heart to please the Lord. And so, today, of course, I want to first greet all my brothers and sisters in every place, in every continent, in every North and South American continent, in Europe, and all the brothers and sisters in Africa, in all of those places. And some in this moment are watching. Others will see us later on. But either way, to all of you, a special greeting. To all of you, a great desire that God may pour his blessings and that God may help each of you and may he give to you those spiritual gifts that we so need in order to work for the Lord and minister before him. And so to all of you, my dear brothers and sisters in every place, do not think that I have forgotten you. I remember all the brothers and sisters, and then when I pray to the Lord, I am immediately, I am going to every country and asking the Lord for everyone, wherever the Church of God is. And today, we will be reading and reflecting on some experiences that Apostle Paul lived. And Apostle Paul spoke of weaknesses or infirmities. Now, in the Bible, we read in the Old Testament, like in the New, we read many times that word weak or infirmity. And we today want to reflect on these words regarding weakness. Weakness. And we're going to realize that it was not about sicknesses. Not at any time. The Lord was not here speaking of physical weakness in the body or physical infirmities. Very rare are some verses that speak of a weakness that is sin or a vice. Or, sorry, it does speak of that, but it never, very rarely does it ever speak of that word weakness, does it speak of sicknesses. When the Bible speaks of the physical sicknesses of the body, it does say sickness. So we sometimes may confuse this, and some people are confused when they are reading this, when they read weakness or infirmity, and they're not sure what this is in reference to. And many times we don't receive the spiritual blessing, or we're not spiritually edified when we don't understand. 
There are many words in the Bible we don't understand and many phrases and terms that we misinterpret. And because of that, our spiritual life is not edified. And so we thank the Lord for it is God who's giving us this opportunity to be here and to reflect on all of these beautiful words. For example, when we studied grace and we studied the glory of God, and when we studied today, we're going to study once again weakness. What is weakness and what is this about? And in this way, when we read the Bible, we will better understand, we will comprehend for this word weakness. We find a lot in the Bible, in many books of the Bible, and mainly in the New Testament. And so we're going to begin in the Old Testament, and we will be reading in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, and like I said, we are going to be reading experiences of Apostle Paul that are useful to us as well, these experiences. But before then, we're going to be reading in the Old Testament something that deals with weakness so that we, in a sense, can clarify these doubts concerning the meaning of these words. In 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel is after... Joshua judges after the first five books of Moses the last book is Deuteronomy then follows Joshua then judges and then we find Samuel we have first and second Samuel so you will search for second Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 chapter 3 verse 1 of second Samuel now here in this chapter the story tells us that there was war, war among King David and King Saul. Now, in this chapter, the one ruling was Saul. He was the first king of Israel. But God had also said that David would be king. Saul found out that David would be king and he was very jealous, he was envious, and Saul persecuted David to take his life because he was envious, because his, his rule, his kingdom was at stake, was in danger. And so this is what this chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 2 and 1 tells us of all of this, but as we're going we're centering on the topic of weakness. Here in chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to see who had a weakness. Now, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. So now, let us keep in mind that weaker it doesn't mean that he was becoming sick. It does not speak of physical sickness. It is speaking of weakness. Now, it says David grew stronger while Saul grew weaker. His kingdom was weaker. Now, if we search for the meaning of weakness, it means to lose strength, to lose uh, dominance or power or command, to be incapable of doing something or facing someone that is stronger. It's also losing or not having knowledge of the doctrine of God. All of that means weakness. That is what the Bible tells us. 
and this is what we're going to be reading. We're going to read more to understand. And so we find here, what was the weakness? It says, the house of Saul grew weaker, while David grew stronger. And so this was, for later on, David became king. His son Solomon was also king, and God punished Saul. He took away the kingdom from him, divided it in two, and there he, that power, became weak, the power that God had given Saul. Now let us continue reading in Nehemiah. Let us go to Nehemiah, which is a little bit before Psalms, before Job. It is before the book of Job. We find Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther before Job and then follow Psalms. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. Like I said, Nehemiah is before Job, before Psalms. Chapter 4, verse 2. We're going to find here what the weakness was or what happened here in Nehemiah. Now, the book of Nehemiah occurred in the time where the people of Israel or the remnant of Israel or those who were led to Babylon as captives and servants they were taken to Babylon and we've spoken that among them was Daniel and his friends and they lived there for 70 years following the 70 years God allowed them to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the city the walls and to rebuild another temple now among the people there was Nehemiah and well this is the context of what Nehemiah the book is and here in chapter 4 we're going to see what someone said concerning the group that had come back from Babylon in chapter 4 and verse 1 but so it happened when Sanballat he was a person who was a part of the governors of Babylon and Sanballat he was an enemy he was an enemy of Nehemiah, of Ezra, and the group who had returned back from Babylon to Jerusalem. Sanballat became an enemy. He was envious, jealous. He did not want the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. So he did anything possible to avoid the construction. But God, as he said that once again Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt, God was with this group of people, and among them was Nehemiah. And so it says, and so it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding. Now, when it says we were, it's Nehemiah and the group. They were there rebuilding the wall. And he, when he heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? He called them feeble Jews. Now, here, feeble, in other words, weak. Now, it's not that they were physically weak, as you can see the word weak, again, does not mean physical weakness. It was concerning that they had lost something. 
they had lost certain power, rule, command. God had given them power, command, greatness to the Israelites. But in these moments, they had lost that strength. They had lost all of that honor that God had bestowed them with because of their sin. And they had been led, some few, to Babylon as servants and captives. They, they took that there. And so this is why he called them feeble Jews, or in other words, weak, weak Jews. How can you think that these weak Jews are going to rebuild a city and once again rebuild a temple? This is what he was saying, and this is why he was offending them. And it was true, they were weak. They didn't have a king, because there was no king in Israel. For they had lived 70 years in Babylon, and there was no king. For the kings had died and perished and taken as prisoners as well. And very rarely were a few prophets, just a few. So they didn't have any power, strength, command, or authority. They had no one who they could support themselves upon to extend a hand and help them to accomplish the work that God had spoken. The only thing that they had was God. And the other people, like this man, Sinbalat, he saw things with his human eyes. He saw it humanly. He said, these feeble Jews, who is going to guide them? Who, where are they going to get the architects and engineers? Where are they going to get the people to help them to do this work? So he called them feeble Jews or weak Jews. And so we are learning that weak, weakness has a different significance to what we may have imagined. So many people say or thought that the weakness that is spoken of in the Bible, and that's where we're going to read in the life of Apostle Paul, in regards to the infirmities or weaknesses, it's not concerning physical weakness. Others might say that they were sins that the person had, hidden sins, and that was the weakness. And we're going to see that that's not so either. And so we're going to continue here in our discovery and in our investigation of learning. For we do need to learn doctrine. We need for all of you, including myself, to be teachers, teachers of the word of God, and that is worldwide. And so God needs many teachers, male and female, in God's doctrine. And this is not learned in any university of the world. There is no institution in the world where you can learn the doctrine of the Bible. It is given by the heavenly university. It is the Father, our God. He is the professor. He is the teacher who is teaching. He is who we will learn from and we will study in this spiritual university and he will be the one to teach us the doctrine. He will capacitate us, give us power, will give us authority. He will give us the talents so that we can carry out that beautiful work. And so this produces joy in the desire to serve God. Now we're going to look for Habakkuk. The pro in the book of the prophet Habakkuk, it is a little behind Matthew. It is a little bit before Matthew. Habakkuk has about one or two chapters, I don't remember. It is before Micah, Haggai, Ze uh, Zephaniah. 
There you'll find before those books Habakkuk, and it's a bit difficult to find sometimes because they are very short books. This uh, book only has three chapters. This is why sometimes it gets lost and it's a little complicated to search for it. But do not first forget to go to Matthew and is before Zechariah and Malachi. You'll find Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And here we're going to read in chapter 1, verse 4. 1, 4, in chapter 1, verse 4. Now, in Habakkuk, the prophet, there were three prophets that had arrived to Jerusalem along with those had, who had been deported to Babylon. And here, Habakkuk prophesied, and this is the prophet that he, this is the prophet Habakkuk and his prophecy, and we're going to read here in verse 4. Therefore, the law is powerless, or in other words, weak. Now, why? Here in verse 2, the Lord was complaining. He says, how long? Or Habakkuk was complaining. He would be the spokesman of the people of Israel because he saw that the prophet, he saw the punishment that God had given to all the Israelites and the destruction that there was in Jerusalem. So he was hurt by that. And he prayed, many prophets prayed to the Lord, and they would be the spokesman for the people. They would pray as if they had been the ones who had committed the fault or serious sin. And they would pray to God because they knew that God only heard the prophets and that the others he did not hear. But that's not so today. God listens to everyone today. He hears us all. Those who cry out to the Lord and seek Him and to speak to Him with their, heart, with their hearts, God listens. That was the difference between that time and now. God at that time only heard certain people, the prophets. Here in verse 2, Habakkuk said, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Now it says, why do you show me iniquity? So you, you show me all iniquity through the different missions. I see it. I see destruction, violence. It says, cause me to see trouble for plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, everything that I am seeing, it says here, therefore the law, the law of Moses, the law of Moses is powerless or weak. And justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. This is why there is no righteousness in those who lead, those who govern. There is no righteousness in anyone, in none of the people, Lord. And the law of Moses is powerless or weak because of the disobedience, the stubbornness of the people of Israel who sinned and sinned, offending God very seriously. They committed so many abominations that this is why the Lord delivered them over to these types of punishments. And so Habakkuk, he says, Lord, the law of Moses is weak. It's powerless. The law of Moses was not capable. At to this even moment, it is incapable of changing hearts, of convincing the Israelites to do God's will. It has been weak, that law has been weak with the strength of stubbornness of the people and the hardness of their heart. The law of Moses has been weak 
no one is able to fulfill it. No one respects it. No one values it. It is powerless. It is weak, Lord. Therefore, we need someone. We need someone to come and bring everything back to normalcy so that your word is not weakened, your commandments. Someone needs to come and make your laws fulfilled so that there is no weakness, so that we are not weakened by what you have placed, your commandments. So the Lord, he heard the, the prayers of these prophets, and this is why he spoke of the future in those latter days, and this is why he said, do not worry, in those latter days I will send someone special. And he, he will be once again raising up the stronghold, the people, the city, the temple, rebuilding someone who will carry the crown worthy and will be a king forever. And so there you will see the glory of God manifested that those were the beautiful promises God made and spoke to the prophets. And as we spoke of weakness, so that we understand, and so now when you read the New Testament, you'll understand these phrases better that the Bible brings up so much. And here we continue in Romans. Now let us go to the New Testament. Let us go to the New Testament in the book of Romans, which is after the Gospel according to John, then Acts, and then you find Romans. Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. In Romans chapter 5 here, Apostle Paul is preaching the Gospel and preaching and sending letters to the church that was in Rome in that time. This was over 2,000 years ago. And he sent them the doctrine that God had revealed to Paul, and he would send it to them so that they could convert wholeheartedly. And among that, here in verse 5, In Romans, we said Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, now he is preaching the gospel and that we are justified by faith in the gospel of Christ. And so we acquire hope. Our hope is of gaining eternal life. And here in verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Now he is speaking there because Christ says here in verse 6, For when we were still without strength, now without strength meaning weak, but not saying that we are sick, for when we are still without strength or with weakness, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the sinners. And this, without strength or weak, it meant that they were all under the yoke of the law of Moses. And now let us remember the law of Moses had, again, was weak. It was powerless. It was weak because it was not capable of saving any soul. Through the law of Moses, no one was saved, nor no one will be saved, because it was weak. It was, weak. It was made weak by the stubbornness and the stubbornness of people. This is why 
the law was weak and our Lord Jesus Christ needed to form his plan there on the cross of Calvary to start a new phase in the life of men and women so that people could be saved. Our Lord Jesus Christ changed all that on the cross for the law was already weak. Now, being in that law, he called the apostles, made a calling to them and started to form his church and to preach the gospel to all people that had an open heart to listen to the Lord. And this is why Paul was saying that our Lord Jesus Christ did that great work. Christ, it says here, for when we were still without strength, meaning weak, we were still under the law of Moses in that weakness, for the law was not capable of changing hearts or give new life or to save anyone. But our Lord Jesus Christ, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is what that without strength or being weak means. To be weak or to weaken. Now as we continue reading, we interpret. Now let us go to Romans 14. In the same book of Romans, we're passing over to chapter 14. Here in chapter 14, verse 1. Apostle Paul was giving guidance and advice to people and he was preaching preaching the gospel to Jews and Gentiles now the Jews who were circumcised and the Gentiles who were not circumcised and he was preaching to those two groups and among those two groups or those two currents, religious currents, the church at that point had grown and they were all together. There were Christian Jews, to better understand, and there were Gentile or Christian Gentiles who had converted to Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Jews and the Gentiles had all converted at that point to Christianity, but they wanted to continue forcing people to keep certain laws of the law of Moses that you needed to continue to celebrate the feasts, the sacrifices, the Sabbath, and not eating certain animals. And the apostle said, no, because our Lord Jesus Christ has already died on the cross and he has cleaned everything. He has given permission to eat every animal. And now there is no longer need to perform the sacrifices for the sacrifices. Now us human beings, we are living sacrifice for God, abandoning sin. We are sacrificing ourselves, abandoning sins and pleasures of the flesh and abandoning what we most like in order to please God. That is a living sacrifice. I sacrifice my flesh. What brings me pleasure in order to please God. And so the sacrifices of animals no more. They no longer need to be sacrificed and bring their blood so that people could be redeemed by that blood. No, because Christ on the cross of Calvary shed his blood once and for all. And so no longer does this need to be done on the Sabbath. The Sabbath no longer needs to be kept. No longer should this day be so sacred as it once was, that no one worked, no one could do anything on that day because it was a day dedicated to the Lord. That Sabbath was changed for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Sabbath. Our Lord is the Sabbath spiritually. He is our rest. Jesus Christ is our rest. And in believing in him, trusting in him, we all rest with him 24 hours a day, every day of the week. We rest in the Lord. He is our Sabbath. 
And so Paul taught them all these things. He taught all the people who had converted, and among them were the Jews and the Gentiles. And he said to them, and the foods, now you can eat everything because the unclean animals, they symbolized sin, the sin of the world and the sin of people. And now as many have believed and have converted to Christ, and so these animals are no longer unclean, for God has forgiven people's sins. And so no longer do you need to stop eating a certain animal like pork for example now you can eat it because what that symbolized before was the sin of a man or a woman in the gospel and now in the gospel everything has changed that method of salvation has changed because the lord has forgiven sins and people are no longer unclean with their sin but they're saved because they have believed in christ and they are following the commandments of the lord and so paul taught all of these things and he explained to them what the law was and what it meant in the time of antiquity what that law was that it was the shadow of the future and what was to come in the gospel and that we ourselves we become temples of god we become that altar our heart is the house of god it is the temple of the lord our heart what should dwell is our lord for we ought not to practice sin but god should dwell in the heart of all those who do not sin and so Paul, he taught all of this. He taught the Jews. And he said, understand this. Do not place burdens on the Gentiles. And so here in verse 1, Paul says, receive one who is weak in the faith. Now, this is not saying receive someone who is weak, someone that's dying of hunger, someone that's not taking enough vitamins and doesn't have strength to do anything. It's not speaking of physical strength or weakness. It says receive one who is weak in the faith, meaning that this weak in the faith is someone who has recently converted to God, who still had not yet understood or comprehended the doctrine of the Lord. As they had not understood the doctrine, they were still a person who had doubts, they had some confusion, and they did not know when they would arrive to the congregation, and they were not sure if you needed to work on the Sabbath, or to not eat pork, or stop drinking certain beverages, so they didn't know what they needed to do, and the other people would criticize, and would belittle them, and cast down their behavior and their way of thinking so paul says no be patient be patient with this person who is weak in faith who still doesn't understand the path of god but one day they will understand it in the meantime they are weak in faith in that aspect so have patience and do not dispute over different opinions of faith and so he begins to give them the example he says for one believes he may eat all things and others eat meat or vegetables, so everyone has a concept on what they should eat. Well, okay, let each of you eat what you want, but do not confuse people with doctrines that are not so, nor place burdens on anyone, burdens that nor your fathers or your ancestors were able to carry when they were under the yoke of the law of Moses. And so you do not place burdens on these people who have believed in the gospel and in Christ. They are free. And so let them be until the day comes that they will understand the doctrine of the Lord and they will no longer be weak in faith. This is what he taught. This is what Paul taught. And so now we will continue here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. 
Corinthians is after Romans. After Romans, you'll find Corinthians. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. In verse 1, Paul, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God or the gospel of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he was saying, I didn't come to before you with so much rhetoric or uh, intellect, but speaking only of Jesus Christ, simple words, that you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was crucified, he says. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Now, why was he saying that he was among them with weakness? Well, because his enemies were there. There, he would find many enemies and persecutors, many people of the Jews that if they found out that Paul was preaching the gospel, immediately they would send people, soldiers, to apprehend him and to imprison him or stone him or do other physical harm to him, persecute him and prohibit him from preaching the gospel. So this is why Paul says, I was with you in weakness, meaning I had no voice in that place. I had no power. I had no rule over anyone. I have no command. I'm powerless because I'm preaching Christ. Who will help me? Who is going to raise their hand to defend me? Humanly, I am alone. Humanly, I am weak. Any person of authority can come and take me to prison. Because that is what happened to Paul. And so he said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling that those, they would take me prisoner, take my life. And he says that nevertheless, things went well with his preaching and his words, that he was persuasive here and that God gave him the wisdom to speak to them about the Lord. And he gave them signs and miracles. God manifested himself in him so that people could see that what he was preaching was God's truth. For he would work miracles and signs. But he did say, I, I was with you in weakness. Because those great rulers, those judges, the principalities that govern were there. And they are my enemies. And they seek me. They seek to imprison me, to take my life and stone me. That was the weakness that he was talking about because he was going to be an object of persecution and of tribulation, of harm to come upon him physically. Now we continue here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We already read chapter 2, verse 3. Now we're reading chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Now we are learning what weakness means or what being weak is and it is mentioned so much in the bible now chapter 9 verse 22 we also find apostle paul speaking and preaching and he tells people that he 
had been preaching the word. He was with the Jews, and in verse 20, it says, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. He says again, I very sagaciously, very cunningly, I've come among the Jews telling them that yes, I am a follower of the law of Moses, that I believe that the law of Moses is what God has established. But along the way, I will teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I tell them so that they change their mind and convert and believe in the gospel of Christ. This is what this means to say that it says, as to the Jews who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And so the Gentiles as well. The Gentiles, they were not under the law of Moses, they, but they were very, um, they idolized uh, different gods and had, I, they were very big idolaters. In 21, he says, to those who are without the law of Moses, meaning the Gentiles, so he says, I pretend as though I had no law, as without law, not being, of course, he says, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. But I pretend with them to win them over, to conquer their hearts so that they listen to me, so that they don't bring any harm against me or threaten me, but that they hear my words, they hear my preaching and the teaching that I give, and then they will change their mind. And aside from that, when God uses me and miracles are worked and signs, they will believe. But in order to come in and to be accepted, I needed to pretend that I was with them, that I too walked without the law. And so that was how astute he was. And in verse 22, and to the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. Now, the weak are those lacking in knowledge of the doctrine, those who were in the middle. So here's the group of Jews who don't believe in Jesus Christ and the gospel. And here's the group of the Gentiles. And here in the middle, there was a group of Jews and Gentiles who were believing in Jesus Christ, but they didn't have the doctrine. They didn't have the spiritual maturity or that full knowledge. And so they were called weak. Weak because at any given time, one of those groups was going to cause them to turn back to turn back from the way of believing in the Lord. And so Paul says, I put myself in that group of the weak. I became as weak only to strengthen them later with that cunningness, with, with, which, with much care so that they would believe and be strengthened. And then they would not be convinced by any group or any different way of thinking. And so, to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now again, we are speaking of weakness. Now as you can see here, this is not speaking of physical infirmities or physical weakness or of a sin or vice that someone has in their body or an addiction. No, this is in general terms, weakness, which was incapacity. These weak 
as they did not have the doctrine, any of those groups, the Jews or the Gentiles, who did not believe in, the Jesus, in our Lord Jesus Christ, could convince them. For they had many arguments, but the weak, who were at this point believing, they lacked the knowledge. They still needed to learn. They still needed to mature. This is why they were weak, for they didn't have enough arguments to defend the word of God. They still did not have that conviction. They still did not have the certainty and security, the faith in the Lord. And so this is why they could turn back with great ease. This is why in our spiritual life today, today in our spiritual life, the same occurs. There are weak. In the congregation, there are many people that are weak. There are many weak who don't have the full knowledge of the doctrine, who have not understood. They believe in the Lord. They have a humble heart and they say, yes, Lord, I believe I will continue. I will follow and do God's will. But as they don't have the doctrine, there is no conviction, security. There is no root. There is no foundation. And so any given day, the devil comes with any wind of doctrine that is wrong and comes before these weak and confuses them. And so people are confused. And people stop seeking the Lord. And this is why today, and this is why God has allowed in the church, shepherds in the congregations, God has established shepherds or pastors. He plays apostles, evangelists. And that shepherd, that pastor, who is always there with the people tending to the sheep, their people are compared to sheep, and he is taking care of them, taking care of the weak, telling them, do not be discouraged, do not lose heart, continue forward, pray to God, but do not lose heart, do not go to another place, do not go over to the sorcerers or witches, do not turn back, because if you go and search for a sorcerer or a medium, you lose the blessings of God, trust in God. This is what a pastor does in the congregation. They tend the sheep. They protect those that are weak. They protect them until they are capacitated. They are shaped and matured and acquire the knowledge. And they then can make decisions and then stand before the enemy, face the devil and reject the devil, reject the people that are used by the devil that wants to confuse them with false doctrine, with false teachings. They want to lead them down erroneous paths. And so they, those are the weak, and they exist. They exist in the church. And so in the church, there are people that are mature, and there are those that are also weak. And those that are mature must teach those that are weak with mercy and patience. Continue to teach them so that the person does not turn back. And this is speaking of that knowledge and doctrine of the Lord. But when we read the testimony of Paul, we're going to find the weaknesses of which he was subjected to. He was very persecuted. He was a victim of weaknesses or infirmities. But it was not because of the knowledge of the Lord. So as you can see in every book, in every verse and paragraph of the Bible, when it speaks of weakness, it has a context. 
and it has a way where this word is led because this is according to the context and what we've read that the weak here is someone lacking doctrine and knowledge of the Lord to defend themselves but when we read Paul's testimony we will see a different kind of weakness here in 2nd Corinthians we've already read 9:22, where it says that he has made himself weak to win over the weak now in 2nd Corinthians 13 2nd Corinthians 13 in verse 349 verse 3 says and Paul here is speaking verse 1 now it's this was the third time he visited the church in Corinth and he begins to write in his epistle he says in verse 3 and now since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me who is not weak toward you but mighty in you now he had written to them because there were many people complaining of people sinning so on his travels here in verse 3 again it says since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me so aside from that group of people in Corinth aside from the fact that some were sinning and others were saying that Paul was not someone called by God because it says you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me meaning Christ is not weak it says who is not weak toward you Christ is not weak toward you but mighty in you and so he says me perhaps as a human being maybe I am weak and I have been weak in what sense well I've had patience because I have overlooked the things and mistakes you have made the sins and all of the faults you've committed before God they have you have fallen into the weakness of your of your bodies which is sinful but you have fallen into those weaknesses and Paul said he had mercy of them but the Lord did not the Lord is not weak if you do not up become up to date with the Lord and better yourself the Lord is going to punish now this weakness that he is speaking to them about here was no longer a weakness in that lack of knowledge of doctrine but it was a weakness of sin they had let themselves be dominated by sin and they were so weak in their way of thinking in their desire of saying no I don't want to sin because I need to please God their weakness of their sinful flesh was much stronger than the desire of their heart to wanting to please God that is what happened to them in this occasion now in verse 4 for though Jesus Christ for though he Jesus Christ was crucified in weakness now observe what is this 
What does this mean? Jesus Christ was crucified in weakness. And in verse 3, it says, Christ, who is not weak. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not weak. He is not weak because he had all the power. The command, the rule, and strength, the capacity, God had it all. And this is why our Lord Jesus Christ is not weak. But in his time, he could demand people. But it says here, our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified in weakness. What does this mean? Well, he was crucified under the rule of the law of Moses. Because the law of Moses said that all man, all criminals who commit the greatest of sins or the most serious crime, the punishment was to be hung on a cross, is what the law of Moses said. And now as our Lord Jesus Christ was accused of being the most sinful man and evil because he took on the sins of all and he told the Father, charge me, charge me all of the sins of these people, charge them on me, I was the one who sinned. So this is why the Lord allowed him to be crucified on the cross so that he could pay that debt to suffer that pain that a criminal deserved, the greatest of criminals. And so, and so that was under the law of Moses. So this is why it says, our Lord Jesus Christ, he is not weak, but he was crucified in weakness under that law of Moses. And he took on the responsibility of feeling like the most sinful man. And in weakness, because of course, it was under that law of Moses, because it was still ruling. And when did it stop ruling over the people? Well, after when our Lord Jesus Christ resurrected, that law was annulled. It was abolished. And the gospel of Christ began. And so, here, this is why it says, he was crucified in weakness. He was under that law of Moses. And he was not able to do anything. He was not able to defend himself. He could not avoid it. Because this was the command of the law. That he needed to be crucified. And as he took on all the people's sin, he needed to fulfill this. And in verse 4, For though Jesus Christ was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we are also weak in him, in Christ. So Paul says we are also weak in Christ. Because look at the persecution. Look at all that we're suffering. What will I die from? Because the story tells us that the apostles, all of them, they died by sacrifices. They were burnt, stoned. That's how they died. And so this is why he says, for we also are weak, meaning we are exposed for any type of harm to come our way and we're not able to do anything humanly we have no power we have no rule we have no voice or say we have no authority no one to defend us and say no you can't die crucified or burnt or stoned and so we too are weak in him 
weak in him. And so this weakness here does not deal with the knowledge of the doctrine, but rather it dealt with the way in which these people suffered. First, our Lord Jesus Christ suffered the cross because he had to die under the law of Moses. And no one, there was no advocate to say, well, the law says the opposite. No, he must be crucified. He must die. And then Paul says, and I, I too, I am preaching the gospel. And the gospel is of the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is spiritual. It is not physical. The kingdom of our Lord is not physical. For if it was, well, then we would need to go to where the judges are and where all of the parliament gathers and all of these people to dictate justice for somebody. But as the kingdom of our Lord is spiritual, here on earth there was no governor that was able to defend them. And this is why Paul said, I or perhaps die by sacrifice because in our Lord I am weak. But I don't worry. My flesh is what will suffer because in the end my soul, my spirit goes with God and I will be rejoicing in eternity with the Lord. This is what is most important. And that was the hope, the hope that they all had that, that we have. And so this was the weakness that there was no one to defend him. No government no governor could defend him or our Lord Jesus Christ or the apostles or any other person. And so we are speaking and now understanding what weakness is. Now, where we were reading here in verse 4, for we also are weak, the apostles said, and it was Paul speaking also of the other apostles, for we are we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him, with Christ, by the power of God toward you. And that is living with him in eternal life. And that's what is most important. And in verse 9, for we are glad when we are weak, Paul says, for we are glad that when we are weak. So all of my companions, me and the other apostles, we are weak. And the believers and all of the rest of the people, you are strong. You be strong. Meaning, acquire spiritual strength, acquire spiritual maturity, and acquire the spiritual gifts, serve the Lord, be strong and courageous, and things will be better off for you. Us, the apostles, well, God allows and, and will allow for us to be sacrificed, for us to die tragically, but Others are coming who God will give those blessings and triumphs to, and they will triumph over all of these things that persecute them, especially all of these attacks and snares that can come against them. But God will deliver them, will protect them from it all, from the mouth of the lion. And so he said, yes, we are glad when we are weak and you are strong, that the church grows, that the gospel continues to expand in all the world, that the church may be splendorous and powerful on earth, that it may shine and that God may manifest in his church. This is what he was saying, that you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete because the Lord knew he would, the Lord would raise up a perfect church. But the first two were preaching would need to suffer the consequences of weakness. And so here we'll continue in Galatians. 
let us go to Galatians chapter 4. Verse 9, Galatians 4, 9. Paul says, but now, after you have known God, let's read in verse 8 first, but then, indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? For someone had said to them, you need to keep the Sabbath, you can't eat pork, you need to offer the sacrifices, you need to do this and that. And he says, no, how can you turn back to those weak and bigger, beggarly elements? Why did he call it weak? Because it was the law of Moses. It didn't save anyone. It was made weak because of sin, rebelliousness, and the hardness of heart of the people of Israel. And here it is saying the weak and beggarly elements that was concerning uh, observing certain days, meaning you don't work on the Sabbath and celebrating the feasts of the months and the seasons. The apostle said, no, do not turn back to do these things. The feasts that were done in the time of antiquity, we also do today. And it is what the Holy Spirit allows us to have in our heart. It is a spiritual feast when the Holy Spirit comes to the hearts of men and women and the spiritual gifts begin to function the uh, the tongues prophecy discernment when all of those types of manifestations come to our life visions dreams miracles signs that is a spiritual feast for god those are the feasts that were replaced they replaced those feasts of the of the time of antiquity now the feasts are spiritual and they are in the heart of every man and woman that lives uprightly with god and so the apostle, he said, you want to turn again to those weak and beggarly elements, that weak doctrine that was not capable of doing anything? Do not turn back to that. Wait, Jesus Christ and his gospel is power. The gospel is power from God. There is where we must be in that path is where we must walk. And we continue in Hebrews chapter five, verse two, after Galatians, is Ephesians and Thessalonians. They are smaller books. And you'll continue there, Titus, and then you'll find Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2. These verses here in the Bible, there are many that speak of weakness. They speak of being powerless. There are many verses. Today we are reading a few, for we run out of time. But when you read the bible in the new testament you will understand and comprehend what that word weak or weakness means you will now understand what that perfectly is and that is doctrine that you've now learned so that your spiritual life may grow and god may give you spiritual gifts and use you and god may make of you an instrument for himself and here in hebrews chapter 5 verse 2 now it speaks of the high priest who is our lord jesus christ our lord jesus christ is that great High priest, verse 1, for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, this is saying that the priests that God 
appointed on earth, which was from the tribe of Levi, and these tribes were ministering in, these priests were ministering, now they would commit different types of sins. And in verse 2, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Now, this priest on earth that God had placed from the tribe of Levi that were ministering in the temple, they were surrounded by weakness. And now, as these priests were subjected to weakness and surrounded by it, what was that weakness? Well, they sinned. They sinned because the people were rebellious and stubborn. They were idolaters. The kings and the principalities and governors became idolaters. And they started to do abominable things. And they would threaten the priests. And they would tell them that they could not prohibit them. But on the contrary, the priest needed to applaud all of these kings' magistrates they would do in the people of Israel. And to save their lives... For those who did not obey, those who did not follow along with the ideas of these governors, they would kill them, they would take their life. And to save their lives, they would tolerate, they would permit their sin and would not say anything. And so they were subjected to weakness, meaning they could not execute God's will they they did not have that rule or command they didn't have it because they were human beings and they had let themselves be bought by the circumstance and by convenience so these priests these human priests they needed to also perform sacrifices for their own sin and the sins of the people but that was not so with Jesus Christ who was the high perfect priest he he did do the will of the Father during his lifetime when he was on earth. And so it is speaking of those weaknesses that sin, sin turned human beings and turned an entity or institution into weakness as it happened with the sin of the people of Israel. It turned the law of Moses into weakness. And here in 7:18. Hebrews 7:18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former command. Now, this is saying that our Lord Jesus Christ, he named, our Lord named our Lord Jesus Christ and that his priesthood came from Melchizedek. That was in verse 17. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, this priest was perfect. He did not have any weaknesses. He was not. He was not weak, nor did he live or abide in weakness, for he was a perfect priest that God named forever. And so in verse 18, For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former command, meaning the former commandment, meaning the law of Moses. It was annulled when our Lord had named the tribe of Levi as the priests, as they failed as well, as all were under weakness and not able to fulfill and keep the commands of our Lord. And they did not have the conviction in keeping those laws of our Lord. The Lord had to send another high priest, and he sent Jesus Christ. He says, for the law, for 
On the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment, that law of Moses, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law of Moses was not able to save anyone. The law of Moses was not able to take away the sins of people and to forgive people's sins and to make a change in people's lives and giving them a new heart. The law of Moses was not capable. No one was able to achieve it because it was weak. It was made weak. It says unprofitableness. It says weakness and unprofitableness. And so this high priest, Jesus Christ, did do the perfect work perfect work and so all those who walk in the true gospel of our lord jesus christ these people as today we who are walking in jesus christ we perhaps in the world we have some weaknesses by because of some governments maybe we have weaknesses meaning we don't have a voice or say. We have no command over the government. We have no power, no command. They are those who govern us and place the laws upon us. They place the laws. And we must subject ourselves to it. But what are we doing? We are strong and we are powerful in the gospel of Christ. And so we are seeking the Lord, following him. And, and so although we are surrounded by all of these weaknesses because of the different governments today we are surrounded by many weaknesses the devil he places traps in our way the devil places snares tribulation he sends enemies to threaten us and to want to harm us and to take our life or kidnap us or imprison us for something and the governments themselves placing laws upon the church and we must subject ourselves to those laws. Those are the weaknesses. We have them. But on the other hand, we have God's power. He helps us to continue forward and to triumph. For not in all weaknesses will we fall into those traps. Or will we be bait. But God helps us and move forward. And God begins to manifest himself with signs and miracles. And to show the world and the governments that his church is not just any ordinary thing and that in truth although it is surrounded by weakness nevertheless god lifts up his children he places them on high he allows them to lift their heads up and to continue forward and to shine with their testimony with their example to shine and that the world may say in that church God is present. In that church, God manifests himself. We must seek God. We must follow him. And so what, what worry do we have about weakness then? We don't care about the weaknesses that are surrounding us or subjected to if we have the almighty God that at any given time, he can end and remove the world. He can end the world. He can end with everything. He is powerful. And so we don't worry because by following the Lord, he is helping us and supporting us. He is protecting us, caring for us, and preserving us from all of those weaknesses that surround us. Weaknesses from the governments and leadership and the traps and snares that the devil places in our lives and weaknesses in our own flesh that some people who do not truly convert to the Lord and are not sincere, they let themselves be strayed by their flesh and so they commit sin and they begin to commit other sins. And so they are surrounded by their 
weak, their weakness, that, that sinning flesh. And the devil is there ready to help them continue sinning. That's weakness as well. And so that doesn't have to do with physical sickness, as I mentioned before. Now here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going back a little bit. After Hebrews, now we're going back. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16 to 33. Apostle Paul uh, speaks and uh, bears testimony of experiences in his life. And so here in verse 16, he says, I say again, let no one think me a fool. Now, he was happy preaching the gospel here. It says, Verse 18, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, he says, I also will boast. So many are boasting in the work that they are doing for God, so I will also boast. I will share with you the experiences. And so it says here in verse 21, to our shame I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. So Paul says, everyone else who calls themselves Hebrews, I am, so am I. They say, are they Israelites? He says, so am I. Now here, he, it says he is boasting. As you boast, I also will boast. And he shares his testimony. He says, you say that you are the seed of Abraham? So am I. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. I am more than you. In, and here he begins to narrate his testimony of all of the weaknesses that have persecuted him or followed him. He says, in labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequently, in deaths often, verse 24, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. We're reading about the weaknesses of Apostle Paul. He says, Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. So there were false brethren in that time as well, people that pretended to follow the gospel of Christ, but it was a lie. They were in the congregation observing to see who they could destroy. So false brethren, so all of this, verse 27, and weariness and toll, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. All of these were the weaknesses of Apostle Paul, the weaknesses of the Apostle, but nevertheless, he preached and it says he was a fool. He was a fool and glad in preaching about Christ, for he saw the glory of the Lord. He saw God's manifestation and the spiritual gifts and the miracles and signs and all that the Lord did while using Paul. So he said, this is great joy for me. I don't care about weaknesses. 
Now Paul in 28, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So despite everything that he named and mentioned and suffered, he says, I have deep concern for the church, for it is this burden I carry. I worry and I am attentive to all the church. That was another weakness that came upon him, this great responsibility he held. Verse 29, Paul says, who is weak and I am not weak? So in this case, he's saying, if you're sick, I get sick too. And here, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? So if someone makes you stumble, well, the devil has wanted to make me stumble many times. He says, if I must boast, I will boast in things which concern my infirmities or weaknesses. So he says, I will boast in this. You boast that you have great power, that you raise the dead, that you make people fall, people faint in your presence. Oh, what great power you have. And me, I will boast as well. But do you see what he boasted in? In the weaknesses, in his suffering, in the tribulations and everything he had to face. But yes, he was happy, happy preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says, if I will boast, I will boast in weaknesses. And in chapter num chapter 12, in verse 5, well, let's continue reading Paul's testimony. He says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hand. So in that moment, he gave glory to God. He said, well, in these moments, they are my weakness, and I will boast in this. I will boast in that, in that look at how God helped me. I was going to be taken, and I was arrested and taken to prison, but I was freed in a basket. God helped him gave him that triumph and victory glory to the lord in verse in chapter 12 it is verse 1 it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast i will come to visions and revelations of the lord that someone had he says i know a man verse tw uh, 2 of chapter 12 he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast. Now Paul here was sharing that he was the one who had lived those spiritual experiences and that he had gone to God's paradise. And that there he heard things that are inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now he says, of this man I will boast. Why would he boast in this man? Because he lived spiritual experiences, which is the most important thing, the peace, the joy, the gladness, and everything God gives to human beings. It is better than being in the physical world without God and perhaps having a job or money, but then you're persecuted and killed to, to harm you. So what, what glory or what, what's better? 
It is to serve God and it is to be with God, to have God in the heart and to have the spiritual gifts, to see the miracles and signs. This is the most important thing. This is what matters most and everything else. And so the apostle with the wisdom God gave him, he says, this is what I will boast in, in the experiences of this man, of such a man, verse five, of such a one, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast. I will not boast in my flesh, but except in my infirmities or weaknesses, the weaknesses that we had already read. He says, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For So if I want to boast, I have good reason to do it because I am speaking the truth. But I... I do this so that no one, it says, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. So he wanted to be modest. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So God placed a weakness, a constant weakness. So as it says here, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, this thorn in the flesh that the Lord placed. He did not want to specify what it was, but surely it was as if someone maybe began to persecute him or threaten him or do something to cause him to suffer. Because it was not physical sickness, this was not a sickness that he had, because he needed to be healthy to go out and preach and evangelize. But one of the weaknesses of the many that he mentioned, the devil could have said something that maybe someone might say, oh, well, look at the testimony Paul is giving. Don't they say that he is a son of God? And look at the testimony he bears. Why are these things happening to him? Why is this happening to Paul? Why does it need to happen if... God is with him. God speaks to him and shows him many things. Now, I imagine so many people speaking and saying this of, of Paul. So he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. Remember, that grace uh, is that love and mercy of God deposited in a person. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, so that strength of God is made perfect in weakness. And so, any persecution, any bad thing that people might see that Paul would be a victim to, but in that moment when, in which he was tested with that, he would ask God and God's power was manifested in him and would free him from that. He would continue forward and God would give him the victory. God's power was manifested. And so he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because as you can see, the weakness is all of the bad things that could have happened to him or that could happen to somebody. And so all of this happens to us today. But we have our God who we cry out to and we say, Lord, look what the devil is trying to do with me. Look, they are threatening to kidnap me. Lord, they are threatening to imprison me. And so the Lord says, don't worry. I will not allow you to be imprisoned. You will have victory. You will have victory and triumph. And thank you, Lord. Thank you. The power of God is above my weakness. And he gives me victory and triumph and he helps me forward. And so Paul 
When the Lord said this to him, that my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities or weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Glory to God. So these weaknesses that Paul had, they were all of the persecutions being lost at sea, the stonings, the stoning that he suffered, uh, the perils of robbers, uh, perils of the sea, uh, hunger and thirst, nakedness. They were all, those were all of the weaknesses and what the devil did as well, a more a notorious weakness. Paul, he says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, and God helps me move forward. This is what it is all about. And so this happens today with us. All of these things happen to us. We are persecuted. We're threatened. The devil is always placing people to persecute us and harm us. The devil today sends people to cast witchcraft and sorcery upon us. The devil incites many people to do these things. Go and uh, cast witchcraft and sorcery on this person. And in all things, God is ready to help us move forward, to help us afloat. He helps us. He perfects us. He guards us. And so why would we be afraid? Why would we worry about these things? If God is with us and the power of God is manifested in our lives, the hand of God helping us before threats of all that can happen in the world and in life before the evil intentions of the devil, the Lord protects us. How many people every single day, they go and try and cast witchcraft or sorcery against us, but nothing bad will happen to us because the power of God is with us. And so, as us, as Paul, we are not worried about the weaknesses. And in the end, in verse 10, Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities or weaknesses. Now, this is not speaking of Paul's sin because people thought, oh, well, Paul must have had hidden sins. No, that is a lie. Or Paul, he had a sickness in his body. No, that is a lie. These infirmities are, or weaknesses are the persecutions, the worries he faced. And he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in needs, and persecutions. For when I am weak, it says here in the end, for when I am weak or when I am persecuted, I am strong. Then I am strong because I cry out to God and he speaks to me and makes me a promise. And so God helps me forward and gives me triumph, gives me victory. The devil, a long time ago, in, 19, in 2014, the devil wanted to imprison me, arrest me, because the devil w w was moved to do that. And he moved uh, reporters, the media, to come against me, making things up. They made up many things, many slanderous things. And they asked me to present myself before the government because they were accusing me of false things. 
And I prayed to God, and God said to me, do not worry, I will give you victory and triumph. And I was confident that day, so confident and so happy. I was smiling. I was smiling and happy with what God has spoken to me of and what he had promised. I was confident that the power of God was upon my weakness, that in that moment, I was being a victim of that weakness. I was a victim to that weakness of being persecuted, of being slandered. And to come before these leaders in government, and I was innocent, and God truly gave me victory. God gave me triumph. I remember a reporter, when I was on my way to enter the building, the reporter says to me, I don't remember exactly what he asked, and I didn't want to answer him. And he said, speak, speak now, because maybe you won't be able to speak anymore because they're going to take you to prison. You won't be able to talk, so speak now. That's what I, I heard as I was walking. And so I arrived there, and God gave me an opportunity to testify about God, and I was able to testify before many people. And I left that place because I'm innocent. I was innocent. And God helped me because it was the devil that wanted to harm me. And so taking advantage of, well, you are before the government and they're the laws, so they asked me to appear, so I have to. I have no power. I'm weak in this sense. I can't say no. I can't say no because we're subjected to this. It's that, to be subjected and a slave to certain circumstances, and that becomes a weakness. And so brothers and sisters and people who are listening, and so many things happen to us in life, so many displeasing things. But God is there, ready to bless. God is there, ready to lend his hand. And do not worry. Today we learned many things and we saw Paul's testimony and we learned concerning weakness and being weak. But we now know something more about the doctrine to express to the Lord that we know. And Lord, I, I know, I now understand this. I understand this, Lord, and I want to please you. I want to do your will. I want to learn your doctrine because I don't want to be weak in, in faith and not know your doctrine. And so today, our prayer to the Lord, you can express your, your needs and maybe you've also discovered some of your weaknesses. And we don't know what the devil is doing and what your weaknesses are. Maybe you have a, have been a victim to threats and kidnappings and, and prison, and maybe a victim of witchcraft and sorcery and of incurable sicknesses because the devil does that as well out of envy, curses. So you say, Lord, look at all of the things that happened to me, all that has occurred in my life and in my family. Have mercy of me, Lord. And so we're going to pray to our God and give him thanks for this sermon, for the reflection of his word, and because God is with us. That's the most beautiful thing. God is with us. Thanks to him. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, blessed Almighty God, thank you, Lord. You are the creator of the heavens and earth, the creator of the universe. You are great. You are righteous. You are marvelous. You are kind and slow to anger and great in mercy. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you. We give you the honor and the glory. All the praises are for you. 
that all may praise you, all may glorify you, that all may humble themselves before you, that all may recognize you as that great God and mighty God that you are, as that God in spirit and in truth, our God, who can see all things and knows all things. We praise you, Lord. You are our Heavenly Father. You are our King. And you are ruling among us. Oh, Holy Father, the praises are for you. And listen to our prayer. Listen to our pleas and our needs. And observe our afflictions and the sadness and the worries. And Lord, the petitions that each person has, the desires of the heart. May you, Lord, resolve every problem, every difficulty. Send your power and manifest yourself, Lord, in each life and every heart. And take away suffering and sadness, pain and bitterness. Take away depression and any insanity. Take away any psychological illness. Take away any witchcraft or sorcery and break the chains, break the ties, break the bonds. And may you heal people that have physical illnesses in their body, sicknesses that are incurable. Lord, take away and remove all types of sicknesses and destroy all the work of the enemy. There are many people that are sick. There are many people that ask for prayer. They ask that we pray to you for their healing, the healing of their bodies, for their health. There are many people who want that we name every sickness and it's impossible lord but you know them and you know each person you know each person when they write when they they bring out from their heart all of their sorrow and pain and sadness and they want you to resolve their problem they seek refuge they seek help lord extend your hand extend your merciful hand and remember, Lord, remember those that are weak. Remember, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, extend your hand and work miracles, signs, and wonders, and many healings. Thank you, Holy Father. We praise you. We give you the honor and glory forevermore. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, thank you, Lord. All praises are for you. We will be singing chorus, O Disheartened Wanderer. Chorus 1. Chorus number one, O Disheartened Wanderer. Disheartened Wanderer, roaming with no guide. Jesus is the pathway, Jesus is the light. In moments of weakness, He will be your strength. In moments of cruelty, He'll be your defense. There will be life for the dead. There will be wealth for the poor. There will be light for the blind. From the Lord, just for you. Oh, disheartened wanderer, roaming with no guide. Jesus is the pathway, 
Jesus is the light. In moments of weakness, he will be your strength. In moments of cruelty, he'll be your defense. There will be life for the dead. There will be wealth for the poor. There will be light for the blind. From the Lord, just for you. Glory to the Lord, the honor and the glory is for our God. And thank you very much, my dear and loved brothers and sisters in the Lord. May God bless you. Many kisses and many hugs to you all. Until next time.